1: Jonathan Kraft, Bloomberg, Business of Sports, from Bloomberg Radio. Hello,
3: I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi Williams, and I'm Scott soshnick Every week at this time, plus Mondays,
1: Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. On this week's show, we speak with Oracle CEO Mark Hurd. But first, let's get into the topics of the week. Hey, guess what's here? March Madness.
3: You say that with such vim and vigor. Yeah, <laughs> Excitement, this is, I
2: love it. This is...
3: I'm not even doing brackets this year. What? Not even doing brackets this year.
1: Oh, come on, man. Yeah, I think
3: sports betting ruined it. Just do one for fun. Everybody, uh, just do one for fun. Okay, Syracuse wins it all. There you go, there's my fun. <laughs>
1: yes, because <laughs> after that suspension, yes, they're going to have an easy time. Ah, whatever. So They're used to it. They always have somebody suspended <laughs> for the tournament. <laughs> it's all good. A lot of money being changed. Yeah, say something, Evan.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, there's. <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> Evan wrote a story about for, this. Come on. Yeah, we we have a story today about you know the, it seems like we say this every year. This year especially, there is an unprecedented amount of pressure right now on the NCA business model, uh, and it's coming from legal challenges. You know, we had a big antitrust ruling that we've talked about a couple weeks ago. Chipping away. It's coming from uh, public scandals. You know, there are bribery. There's big bribery stories about coaches paying athletes, about families paying coaches. We have uh, advocacy groups popping up. How about just smarter players, by the way? Smarter so players, players really understand cer- what's going on. Certainly on that list, um, you know there there is a plethora of things that are happening, and the NCA itself has admitted that change needs to happen. Um, but you know as we head into the NCA tournament, uh, reminder to listeners, you know the NCA does not own or operate college football's playoffs. Right, this 80, is their money maker. Eighty-two yeah, the percent, if the not more, of the NCA's billion-dollar annual revenue comes from this tournament itself.
1: Moving along, the NBA is hiring a China government
3: liaison. Amazing. Well, everybody knows the relationship with the Chinese government. Let's say tenuous at best sometimes, <laughs> good, bad trade deals, uh, we'll see. But the NBA has been in China for a very long time, and they're st- still trying to figure it out. A- as we've said, you can't just show up in China and be like, Oh, I'm here for business. Let's just o- open up. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> no. you, you you need to have relationships, know-how, familiarity. And the NBA is taking that next step. We'll report to the NBA China CEO. Um, just you know, if you're if you're going to succeed in China, and this may be my understatement of the show, you're probably going to need some cooperation from the government.
2: Yeah, I think this is the natural next step, right? I mean, they don't re- release numbers, but the NBA's business in China has grown double digits every year since 2008. As you said, Scott, they were the first league to have an office there, first league to have a broadcast contract there. They're, they're by far the most popular U.S. league uh, in China. And this is the natural next step, right? If you, As your business grows, there becomes more you need to protect. You want to build an arena? And,
3: exactly. You're going to need government yeah, help. Exactly. You want to have an, an NBA-branded league? You're going to need government help. Agreed. So, much like you see lobbyists around K Street, guess what?
1: <laughs> there too, the UFC going all digital with ESPN Plus. It's
3: the next step, a uh, b- big move. But it, you know they've had some problems with the streaming. Now, when you get a huge Conor McGregor fight, that's a lot of concurrent streams. Better not. It better not go down. It, it better work. But um, they're going all in. Uh, on their pay-per-view events with with ESPN, big pickup. What was ESPN five five ninety nine a month, six bucks a month?
2: Uh, it's $4.99 four ninety nine. Five, five, five bucks a month. Yeah. ESPN
3: Plus. A- again, the cords are being cut. The cords are never there. Increasingly, the customers and, and those sub fees will come from these digital subscriptions. You better have some content that people want to see, or else what's the motivation to sign up?
2: And, so. and and UFC now is all in with ESPN when when Lawrence Epstein their COO was on the podcast a couple months ago he talked about how important it was for them in their new broadcast contract to sign with ESPN now all the pay-per-view is going to roll through ESPN as well um, great i mean i think it, it's a good move for ESPN plus right as we talk about them trying to get as much different types of content as possible now if you are a UFC or an MMA fan you have to have it right there, there's no real other way to watch UFC you can't can't get a pay-per-view you can't even be a a one-off guy right to get yes to to get ufc pay-per-views you have to be an espn plus member as well just kind of as you said scott just beefing up the ecosystem making it so that if you're a sports fan of any kind uh you kind of need to have espn plus
1: let's talk about major league baseball they kicked off the opening season in the regular games uh, with Oakland they and kicked the Seattle. Off the Mariners. opening
3: season of the regular games. That's yeah. what came out of your mouth. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, I you mean, should be, be on the radio. No, <laughs> no because Had to. He, this is what it gets confusing. All right, the, the Seattle Mariners and the Oakland A's. Yes. Th- they are playing regular season games. Yes. But there are still exhibition games going on. Yes. And, and that's the, that's the confusing part. Games that
3: count taking place in Japan. If you want to stay up until 2.30 in the morning to watch them. Eben, you got home late last, right? late, late last yeah, night? Yeah. I did, you put, I did you put I on I the Mariners? Uh, you I, watched Ichiro in I, Japan. I missed
2: the opening pitch by an hour or so. Uh, Mariners, 2-0. Going to be on pace to be 162-0.
1: And people were worried they, they weren't looking to win. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, one word, Ichiro, and he got a hit. And the crowd went wild, obviously. Yeah, I, I'm not happy that
3: it was his last at bat? I think he struck out looking. That's not how I want oh. that to happen. Yeah, well, how about a bomb on your... Or even just even a, an infield single. Go out the way it really is. But uh, he did a lot for the game. He, he did a lot for the game. And he had a and,
2: billion hits between it, <laughs> Japan and, and the and U.S. And fundamentally, <laughs> in the steroid era, yeah.
3: a guy was super exciting for slapping the ball and running. And if you don't know about his all-star pep talks to the American League team, go Google it. This guy used to give a profanity-laced F-bomb. here, and He spoke English pretty well, even though we covered it. But go read the stories about his all-star pep talk every year. And, I mean, folks looked for the People wanted to make the all-star team more for that than to play in the game.
2: And open open YouTube and, and search Ichiro's favorite joke. Uh, and Bob you, you are in for 30 seconds uh, of, uh, uh, of, of pure, pure joy. L-
3: delight
1: and laughter. Yeah, go take a look at those videos, folks. Now, let's get into this week's interview. We have Mark Hur, the chief executive officer of Oracle Corporation. He is also a member of the company's board of directors. He joined Oracle in 2010, bringing more than 30 years of technology industry leadership, computer hardware expertise, and executive management experience to his role with the company. Mark, thanks for taking the time to chat with us.
4: My pleasure. Thank you, Scott. Are you hanging out in Las Vegas, right? i do not hanging out, but I'm 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 working. Yeah, we've got a uh, uh, large customer conference here. We've actually got several customer conferences that run simultaneously. So I'm here doing some uh, uh, speaking. I get to leave you and go see investors, which is always a uh, an interesting event, so yeah. But I'm not hanging out.
3: Oh, well, I, I like the term uh, "investors." is interesting. It, it definitely is. Um, we hear so much about business getting done on the golf course. Is there a tennis court around? I know you're a big tennis guy. You ever do business on the tennis court?
4: Tennis courts are tough to do business because you're, uh, you know, on the other side of the net, and uh, so not too much. And there aren't many tennis courts in Las Vegas. Not many golf courses in Las Vegas. There's a lot of actually casinos and convention centers. Uh, But plenty of opportunities to do business here, but but not on the tennis court or golf course, at least here in Vegas.
3: Well, you just recently finished up a tennis tournament out in California in Indian Wells. Uh, What sorts of business getting done there? How did that go for you guys?
4: It was unbelievable. Uh, I just think it's, um, you know, attendance-wise, we hit just under 500,000 at the tournament. Uh, If, uh, depending on what happens, that would probably be Third, uh, behind uh, the U.S. Open and the Australian Open, um, we do that with several less days than than the French and Wimbledon have. So attendance-wise, really just uh, off the charts. I think uh, in addition to that, uh, the fan experience has been just greatly enhanced. We had, uh, you know, we'll bring uh, almost a thousand. We Oracle uh, brought almost a thousand customers through the. Uh, Uh, the event, Uh, so uh, it's a very popular place to go to watch an event, and a lot of that's because of all the enhancements that that Larry's made to the tournament.
3: What are we talking Uh, about there? We hear a lot about at-home versus in-arena, and technology obviously drives the in-arena experience. What sorts of things are fans telling you that they want at sporting events?
4: Real-time stats uh, during the match, right? So you've got the opportunity now to... um, to every court, not just center court, not just court two, um, has Hawkeye. Every court has serve speed. Every court has stats, which will tell you how many, you know, winners, unforced errors, what the ratios of each are together uh, by player. Uh, so it's it's you know it's real time information, real time stats, you know, scoreboards uh, everywhere, um, everything in the gardens, which is a sort of a central area uh for the tournament grounds you know there's huge big screen tvs everywhere you can watch multiple courts uh at the same time it's just a, a very automated uh experience and uh and one that i think fans really enjoy
2: you guys are obviously involved in a, in a lot of different sports how does kind of the tennis demographic overlap with the demographic that you guys are looking to from a customer
4: basis yeah, I mean that's right. I mean, it, well, you asked a question, and I'm I'm sort of saying that's right. I can't really say that to your question, but it, it many people don't it. say that so when Mark, Evan
3: asks a question. By the way, Mark, <laughs> Evan and yeah, no, I, that's uh, interesting. Yeah,
4: yeah I, it, you know, it, it really is for us. You know, how do we get the customer engaged? And so, what we do in a lot of our our, uh, our tournaments that we sponsor is create a fan experience where the fan gets to 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 mix with with the players. Uh, whether they be uh, proams, clinics, talks, um, you know, at the at Indian Wells, we had no, we had multiple events where you would get a legend of the sport, whether it be uh, uh, Chris Everett, whether it be Tommy Haas, uh, you know, Michael Chang, et cetera. And you'd get a customer with the uh, customers with the opportunity to have an up close experience with them, um, talk to them about the sport, the direction of the sport through Q and A with them. Uh, we had some of the same players doing. Uh, clinics for them. And so the opportunity for customers to get engaged directly uh, in the sport, it's, it's, it's tremendous for us.
2: Is is tennis the the most representative of your customer base from, you know, from a demographic standpoint, what sports really look a lot like Oracle customers when you drill down to the yeah,
4: golf are probably the two, you know, biggest demographic, uh, you know, for, for us. Uh, we've chosen to put uh, investment into tennis. I think it differentiates us. Uh, so those that are uh, tennis zealots, I don't think there's anybody who, who gives you the up-close and personal fan experience that, uh, uh, that we can do and attempt to do uh, with our customers across multiple events, whether they be you know, big-time events like Indian Wells or, frankly, challenger tournaments, college tournaments, uh, and some of those are, are you know, extremely – I mean, I'll give you an example, we did a challenger tournament, which is the, you know, very high-level uh, tournament, just pre-tour uh, level. And uh, we had – we were getting thir- 12, 13, 1,500 people a day uh, to the tournament and getting, you know, 100 customers uh, to it. And, you know, we did a, a, a thing at the tournament where we had uh, Andy Roddick, James Blake, uh, Tommy Haas, and Marty Fish – come play in one of the evenings and got an incredible draw on customer interest out of that. So we, we just don't have tournaments. We put events around the tournaments, create some entertainment around the tournaments, and customers love it.
0: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate?
1: We're talking with Mark Hurd, the CEO of Oracle. And congratulations, you guys have now what was AT&T. Now it's Oracle Park. The the simple question is investment as opposed to return. What are you looking for?
4: Well, first, I think, you know, that there's there's it it isn't just investment and return, although that's a key uh, element to it. I think one is that. you know, obviously, the Giants are a, a Bay Area team. Uh, the facility is a Bay Area facility. We're a Bay Area company. Um, we certainly have experience in, in uh, naming um, facilities uh, through our experiences over the years. Uh, we've had a long-term relationship with the Giants uh, that predates this, um, and that's gone on for, for a long time and has been very positive for us. So when the opportunity opened up, Uh, It made sense for us uh, to uh, up our commitment. Uh, As part of that, there are just a number of innovative things that we think we can do, both from a a fan engagement perspective, further automation of the stadium, um, as well as from a customer engagement perspective.
2: And what are the first two things you guys plan to do?
4: Well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously the Giants get a vote uh, in that as well. But the opportunity for us to to automate – A lot of the concessions, the ability to, um, you know, have in-seat ordering, um, being able to do that all in an automated way, the ability to get uh, uh, different customer engagements, uh, you know, automated customer engagements uh, with the fan base. All of those are, I don't want to say simple, but relatively um, uh, straightforward things for us to get done relatively quickly. We're, as a company, uh, we're the leader in, in stadium automation. Um, and so it's going to make sense to not only do what we do everywhere else at, at Oracle at Oracle Park, but to do it better and innovate. And one of the things we talked about with the Giants from the beginning is is to have the Giants always on the forefront of everything we we're doing, and to be, you know, if you will, I don't want to say a test case, but a uh, an early uh, adopter of our latest capabilities. We're also one of the leaders in customer engagement software, and there's no reason for that not to be applicable. Uh, in, in in baseball as well. So there are just many opportunities for us to team with the Giants from a technical perspective.
3: Now, Mark, of course, baseball, few more games than some of the other sports, so you get a lot of dates that are used. But I'm always fascinated by the off days at stadiums and how they are utilized. I mean, what's cooler than the bar mitzvah at, at Green Bay, right at Lambeau Field? I, I love that off-day usage. What sorts of things uh, are we talking about for, for Oracle and the stadium when the Giants are not playing.
4: Well, for the last couple of years, we've had our user conference um, uh, concert at at um, at the park. So we have a user conference that brings you know over 60,000 people to the Bay Area uh, to talk about technology, and then at the end of the conference, uh, we bring our customers together for uh, for a closing concert, and we hold it uh, and have held it at at and uh, now Oracle uh, Park. So that's certainly one use. The opportunity there is to, you know, there's a, they have a nice uh, club club in the in the stadium uh, that we can use for uh, customer dinners. Uh, they do great things with their actual with their believe it or not their clubhouse, where they turn that into a place for entertainment. Obviously, we have uh, sweet opportunities to entertain there. So it's a very uh, unique experience when you can take a bunch of customers into a clubhouse and uh, put a jersey in a locker with their name on it. It's pretty interesting when you can then let them put the jersey on and come out to the field and take batting practice. Um, Put their picture up on the scoreboard right underneath the Oracle logo. That's Um, right.
3: I did a story years ago on those who buy limited stakes in pro sports teams, you know, the 1%, 2% owners, and they said one of the reasons they do it is because it gives them the opportunity to separate themselves from the competitors. If they're a two percent owner, and let's say it's the Giants, the opportunity to close a business meeting after a tour of the clubhouse or introducing to a players or on the team plane. It sounds like from a business perspective, even large scale like Oracle, it's the same sort of thing going on.
4: Yeah, I think I think that's right, and I think you're only limited by your imagination. So the examples you gave of flying on the team plane, you know there's a couple extra seats on the on the on the plane. Yeah, can we get them? Sure. Um, and, and I won't say we always can, but if, 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 if they can, I think they, they accommodate. And, yeah, imagine you're going to uh, – the Giants are going to Fenway Park, and they're going to play the Red Sox, and you're going to be able to take a customer with you on the on the uh, uh, team plane and take them to box seats at Fenway Park. And, I mean, I, I can keep going through example after example, but your point's correct. I mean, there's truly opportunities to differentiate in the customer engagement. Um uh, and, and, you know, through a fan experience that otherwise we wouldn't have.
2: I know a lot of companies think about their sports sponsorships kind of in two different buckets, right? There, There's the sponsorships you do just to get your name out there, to grow name recognition. And then there's the sponsorships you do that kind of directly tie into expanding your client base or, you know, just offering more opportunities uh, to, to, to pre-existing clients. Is this deal, the, the Major League Baseball stadium, is that more in bucket one or bucket two for you?
4: Most everything for us is in bucket two. Hmm. Okay, so we're we're really B 2 B, business to business, as opposed to business to consumer. So you know, most of our, almost all of our business, uh, we have we have small and medium business. So be, because small and medium businesses um, behave to some degree a bit like consumer, obviously there are lots of small businesses. So name recognition uh, certainly has relevance. Most of what we do is tied to, you know, a direct you know, one-to-one engagement, direct customer activity where we get the benefit of a, of a direct touch with the customer.
1: I want to go back to what we were talking about earlier about the many sports that you sponsor. When you are a major sponsor in any sport, uh, I mean, that's a huge undertaking. It doesn't make a difference whether uh, it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey, name a sport, whatever. Uh, can you take us through what it's like as a sponsor? To be involved with action-packed sports like this.
4: Well, I mean, it, it's a you know, it, first of all, it's a it's a it's a commitment to uh, you want a team with the right franchise. Uh, I, I don't think this is for everybody, and I don't think you should team with everybody just to team with them. Right? You have to, to team with the right management team. Uh, I think we've been fortunate to to team with. These are big decisions. To your point. Um, you know, and it isn't for us because it's about innovation, because it's about experiences. You you want a team with somebody who's who understands the spirit. I'll give you an example about when we did this with the Giants. We spent several meetings together, just talking about innovative fan experiences and client experiences that so would make this an exciting thing for for both sides. And you know, that sort of collaboration is what's at the core. Of, of, of making these things work. So it's not about, you know, can, can I get, can Mark Hurd go to see a game or something? This is about the broader, how does the broader Oracle get value out of the broader relationship? How do we get a, a whole broad, you know, impact for our customer base and make it personal? Make it, I mean, I always use the comment that for us, you know, our objective is to make memories for our customers make memories that are unique, make memories that are different, make memories that otherwise couldn't be facilitated for them by anybody other than Oracle. And and so for us, that's how we think about this as we go into these engagements. And when you get the right franchise, like what we've been able to do with the Warriors and what, we've been able, what I think we're going to be able to do with the Giants, um, it just makes all the difference in the world.
1: And like you said, broader, I mean, right now, like you said, you are, you're a Bay Area-based company, and obviously the Giants are Bay Area folks, but there's nothing wrong with you guys coming out on the East Coast, and there, there are many opportunities out there, too. Have you guys thought about that?
4: Well, if you ask if we thought about it, sure. Um, doing it is different from thinking about it, and I think that, you know, for us, it's much easier to do many of these innovative things where you have mass presence. So we have a presence on the East Coast. I mean, we've got a fairly sizable presence in, in Boston. Um, and obviously, we're, 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 of course, very global as well as very, uh, uh, very well dispersed across the country. We have large employee base in Los Angeles and Austin, uh, in Boston and DC, etc. Uh, but I think these decisions, the ones that we're talking about, are very major decisions made at the top of the company where the alignment is is pretty close uh, between the both management teams. So I think for us to do something that's Uh, not in the Bay Area would obviously be something we'd we'd have to take into into very careful consideration that we could still make those sorts of different innovative situations occur and make the sort of lasting memories that I've described.
2: Mark, I want to ask you about sailing, another sport that you guys are involved in. I think even kind of casual America's Cup fans know that Larry Ellison, co-founder of Oracle, put together a, a sailing team in the America's Cup for a while. Was, was the 2013 America's Cup the most, kind of a most amazing sporting event comeback that you've seen in your, in your experience in sports?
4: Well, I couldn't believe it. It wasn't just that we came back. It was the timing of it. Um, it happened to be in San Francisco at the same time as our user conference. So imagine literally 60,000-plus Oracle customers are in San Francisco as this, this thing is going down. And, you know, we're down 8-1, if I remember correctly. And, you know, they actually won it. Uh, you, you probably don't remember all the details. Rattled off 8th Street, I think, yeah. Yeah, they won it and ran out of time. And they took too long to, won, to win the race they won. So as a result, when the race timed out, um, they never won again. And, 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 you know, it got so interesting in that the New Zealand team, uh, was checking out of their hotels because they thought they were bound to win a race somewhere. And, of course, when they wound up having to stay, uh, as they kept losing, who had all the hotels? Uh, we did.
3: Because
4: it was our user <laughs> what,
3: Was there price gouging going on? Is that what you're telling me?
4: No, no, that's not, that wasn't. That wasn't, that wasn't fun. But I thought it was, it was interesting that, you know, as, as they were ready to check out Saturday, Sunday, Monday, you know, they're having to uh, lengthen their hotel rooms and they don't have reservations and the town is sold out because of the Oracle user conference. Um, so but it was a yeah, it was a great comeback. It was a very, uh, uh, I think, emotional. And, and I think the fact that it was in San Francisco, uh, in the Bay, uh, done, you know, in front of everybody in San Francisco and our customers simultaneously, uh, you, you couldn't write a better script.
3: It sounds like you view everything in the purview of your customers. Like, do you take a moment? Can you enjoy any of this, just to sort of mark herd, or does everything exist in in the world of how does this affect Oracle and its customers?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think first it starts with the customers. So We wouldn't do it if it wasn't for the customers. Um, do I enjoy some of the stuff? Sure, uh, but but the primary uh, objective for our sports marketing is to really. Um, Benefit our customers, right, and to put our customers in again, a, you know, a, a different position they ordinarily would be in, um, and and clearly we're 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 selfish. I mean, we're trying to um, endear them to us so they understand. At the same time, you can have a great time and learn about our products while you're having a great time, and and then you know, my job is to help facilitate that, and so. But, yeah, no, I sneak off like I love Indian Wells. You talked about just coming back from there. I had a great time, Uh, even though I was was probably – I would love to have seen more matches than I did, busier than I would like to be. But that said, do I come out of it in aggregate, really enjoying it? I do.
3: Is Larry Ellison still in the market to buy a team in sort of the four majors? Uh, Everybody knows that he was close on the Warriors, and we know what happened there. Is he still in the market? Is he going to own a big four sports team?
4: Uh, that is a much better question for him uh, than me all right
3: go get him on the uh, phone. I know you can do it I, I get him on the phone
4: <laughs> so we, get, we can get him on the phone. I, I don't think that uh, he'll answer uh, so in terms of in terms of that question. so but I think you know uh, I'm not going to comment on Larry's intentions.
2: Mark, you're a computer technology provider you're big in the sports sponsorship world. Have you looked at? I'm sure you have. What do you, What do you see in esports, and and do you see a place for Oracle uh, within that ecosystem?
4: It's an interesting question, boy. This stuff is just exploding, and um, it's funny. I'm I'm as I'm here in Vegas. I'm next to uh, a big building that has you know esports. I can't remember. It says esports hall or facility. Right, right on it, where There's they an arena have these, there? Yeah, exactly. Where they have all these these these, these this environment built for gamers and um, so I don't know, it's obviously quickly evolving, and, uh, you know, I don't often comment on our intent, because our intent is to do more in sports marketing, but I find when I talk about our intent, other people tend to, um, uh, I don't know what the right word for it is, uh, use it as their own material. And so I think, you know, we're, this is just like, what's our next step in tennis? What's our next step in whatever it may be? I'd give you the same answer I gave you about Larry, that, you um, I probably won't predict what we'll what we'll do next. Other than obviously, we want to be we we want to stay active and do things that make sense, as you guys have well said in the context of what benefits our customers.
3: Well, in the B two B world, though, sports betting and live betting in venue certainly presents an opportunity for Oracle uh, and others. Where do you see it going? How do you foresee Oracle playing in that pond?
4: You know, it's interesting because obviously, betting has got multiple dynamics. I mean, the implication of, of of sports betting has dramatically affected the tennis world. And, um, and, and so, yeah, there's an automation opportunity in there. There's a technology opportunity in there. Um, there's a, you know, and also an issue as it relates to sports on how it eventually works. I'm not uh, a huge fan of the implication it's had on, on tennis. Uh, and you all may or may not be familiar with all that. Oh,
3: yeah, the, tele- uh, the tennis integrity unit actually found that many matches, particularly at the lower level, <laughs> had, had had some sort of corruption.
4: Well, the real, the real issue that occurred was the selling of the data. So what was going on was in the lower-ranked tournaments, lower-level tournaments, there was no video. There was no record of the match, so to speak. And yet, the data was being sold in real time to third parties. Mm-hmm. So this enabled, um, you know, Betty. And and so the reaction to that was to cut out 70% of the tournaments. So instead of fixing, anyway, it gets into a whole other conversation um, that I've, I've morphed this into. But but yeah, I mean, there's there's opportunities on the automation side. Uh, certainly, um, I think also. You know, there's another dimension, which is the one I described, that, that, that we're sensitive uh, sensitive to as well.
1: Mark Hurd, CEO of Oracle, thank you so much for, for taking the time out and talking with us. and Thank you again, sir.
4: Thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on.
1: Takeaways. I, I'm always impressed. <laughs> it's one thing to be on when you see the other side of big sponsorship money and talking to Mark Hurd about, Hey, you put your name up on the stadium. You have put your name up on other things as well. Uh, It's a lot of coin involved in that, a lot of exposure.
3: Yeah, and and I wrote about this years ago. My takeaway is the fact that these companies want more and more. And he spoke about possibly bringing clients on the team plane. That is considered some serious territory that the players like for themselves. But pay enough money. You need some return on an investment. Mm, I, I need to bring this important client on the plane for that trip to Fenway Park. Uh, that that's how the business works.
2: And another thing he mentioned that we don't talk about enough with these big naming rights deals is the fact that you know companies that come in on these big deals also want to you know use their their own product to improve the fan experience, right? And he said that you know as soon as they sign this deal, there are things they want to put in place from a technology standpoint at Oracle Park in San Francisco immediately, right? And that and that's connecting either the uh, concessions to people's phones, uh, maybe some improved Wi-Fi, etc. That there are a lot of things that Oracle Oracle wants to do within Oracle Park immediately, kind of leveraging its own technology to help fans.
4: My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming
1: of since I'm a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike.
4: We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing
1: that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. And I have a lot of thoughts about this, too. <laughs> Two hundred.
2: We got the number this time.
1: That's good. Two hundred.
2: The amount of points Zion Williamson is going to score in the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament.
3: (laughs) I thought you were going to say for the whole tournament that might be pretty good. (laughs) I have no
1: idea. This is the number... That Kyle Busch hit. Oh, the God. number of wins. Regina. No, Regina, no, I actually like your number better. The thing. number that Kyle no, Busch hit. I don't is,
4: even know what he's talking about. Is I apologize, Steve. Come on. No,
1: this is Kyle Busch in NASCAR. He has 200 wins, and here's the problem, though. It's a problem. No, first of all, congratulations to Kyle Busch. Congratulations. But. Those two hundred wins are within the three divisions in the truck Oh god, here division in the infinity I, series and it is also in, you know, the top echelon, the, the Monster Energy Cup. Bar, we gave you the responsibility of number of the week. Well, hold on. I, I'm not sure you're let holding it. Let, let, yeah, you.
2: let the man finish. Thank you. Let
1: the man finish. Let the man finish. But it's being compared to Richard Petty, who won two hundred races, but he did that all at the top of the uh top of the game. And I'm not sure it's fair to Kyle Busch or if Richard I'm, if, petty. I'm, if
3: I'm remembering, I think um, Kyle Bush also won the eight-year-old division of the Soapbox Derby. So it's 201. <laughs> I th- as long as we're considering all divisions, I think he won the Soapbox you Derby race. This. This and is... the, amusement, the amusement park go-kart race. <laughs> Two hundred and two. Let's let us make sure we count all divisions. See,
2: this is the same argument. Do we count Ichiro's three thousand MLB hits? That's what I'm saying. Or do we count his forty three hundred world professional I'm hits?
1: saying, I am saying that you thank you. Thank you, man. You know what? I like the underscore. This is why people this is why people tweet and call in and
3: say Sashnik picks on everybody. <laughs> <You're funny. laughs> or as my son would say, I'm gonna have him listen to this podcast just to the end to for him to love me saying at the end. Why you bully me? (laughs) Apparently, that's a thing with the kids. Why you bully me? That's a Fortnite thing now. Uh, Evan has no idea. He's the young guy. That that is it. Uh, You you are right. right. All the kids run around and say, why you bully me now? (laughs) So now I'm doing it on the air. He will love that. (laughs)
1: You have been listening to the Bloomberg business of sports. We here each and every week for you at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. And you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays on Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports.
2: I'm Eben Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams.
1: And I'm Scott Soschnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soschnick. Thanks for
3: joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. It will be Warriors CEO Rick i hear they're pretty
1: good pretty good warriors yeah pretty good moving to a pretty cool building yeah lots to talk about you're listening to bloomberg business of sports from bloomberg radio around the world